Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Um, I'm just going to make sure that everything is set up and looking as it should. Um, and currently it looks to be, so I'm just going to set a little background music um, so it's not too boring to, to listen to me. Oh god, there we go. And we are pouring in, we are talking all about the sun and the star. So I'm going to be doing both a non-spoiler and spoiler review of the book after <laughs> reading it in its entirety on live stream today um, because I have a lot of thoughts that I want to talk about to do with this book specifically um, <laughs> that other live was several yeah nearly seven hours long guys that's how long I was on stream with my headphones in listening to the audiobook and occasionally stopping to talk about what I was reading and now I'm going to be doing a lot more concise version <laughs> of just talking about the book itself and just all my thoughts and feelings about it. And uh, if you guys have any questions to do with the book, of course, I will provide responses. Um, I'll be doing non-spoiler answers to begin with, but for the non-spoiler section. And then we get to the spoiler part, which I will then, of course, announce to everyone. Um, and if you have any spoiler-based questions that you would like answered, I can answer them as well. Hello Kindred Nerds United, it has indeed been a minute, I'm happy to be here and we're going to be diving in from the get-go talking about the non-spoiler thoughts that I have to do with The Sun and the Star, a Nico D'Angelo novel. And um, well, I have, I do have a lot of thoughts and some of them can be con uh, found in the long <laughs> live reading, which obviously I'm not going to send people to because it's very long. But basically, I did really enjoy this book. I absolutely loved the story and the journey we're going on with Nico specifically, because that boy has been through pretty much anything and everything. And for him to be able to kind of reach some closure, to be able to find just just just, just confronting everything that he's been through, I think was it was a really well written journey towards healing. And you know, Nico you know, addressing, yeah, I've been through some terrible things, but just, it was a really great thing to read, and I think it was written incredibly well, like, Nico has, as described in previous books, PTSD, he has a lot of trauma, and I really like how that was dealt with in this book in particular. What I also really enjoyed was the relationship between Nico and Will and how it was presented, because their relationship is not, as it was previously shown, all rainbows and sunshine with the grumpy boy because they are very different people they have very different experiences very different ways of thinking of things and of course that's going to cause a lot of conflict 
um, especially with how, you know, they, you know, deal with their own lives and how, you know, Will wants Nico to open up more and how Nico wants Will to understand that there are some things he just can't talk about. Um, and I do like how that was addressed. I feel like there were some elements of that part of the conflict within their relationship that was not handled as well as it could have, because I feel like it kind of got lost along the way. They were talking about, you know, having these conflicts and knowing that they were struggling and then the conversation doesn't really progress any further and i'll talk about that a little bit more in the spoiler section but yes i do like that we are seeing that you know relationships are complicated they are not all you know good times and happiness you do have fights you do have conflicts people are very complicated and i do like that we are seeing that in this story so the plot itself obviously sticking to non-spoilers the plot wasn't as strong as I kind of hoped it would be. What was the strong part about it was to do with, it was a very character focused plot, which I do really, really enjoy. Um, it's just, the problem for me is more, it wasn't really presented, like based on the blurb, you wouldn't think it was gonna be a super character focused element because, you know, the blurb focuses a lot to be like Bob and a voice calling to them from the underworld and all that sort of stuff, uh, from Tartarus, I mean. And while that's there, it's not as prominent as I expected it to be. Um, and it can't, it's not that I'm disappointed because I'm really, I'm happy with the direction it did take, but when it then did get to kind of like the point, it, it I wasn't the biggest fan of how it was handled. I think that's the way that I can say this without going too many into, too much into spoilers. But yeah, the, the plot wasn't as strong as it could have been. The character elements were probably the strongest parts. Will got a really good characterization, although it also kind of, he gets really strong characterization and then it kind of falls by the wayside a little bit. Then it gets really strong again. And the, so it's got a lot of up, ups and downs, which I think led to me like I, I had moments that I described when I was on the live of feeling like the story was really dragging. I think those were the moments where like when there were really strong character moments, the story didn't feel like it was dragging. It felt like I was like, oh my God, that's going by so quick because you know, these are really cool moments that I'm hearing and experiencing, etc. But when those moments kind of fell by the wayside and things kind of got a little bit like, I don't know how to describe it, but like I lost my engagement with the characters because of what was happening narrative wise. That's when it kind of then felt like it was dragging a little bit, which is disappointing, but you know, that does happen. Sometimes that does happen in books. So I, if anyone listens to my podcast, you'll know how much I complain about the Heroes of Olympus dragging as a series because it just took forever to get there, uh, like to the point. And that happened a little bit with the sun and the star, but not as bad as Heroes of Olympus. I would say pacing wise, sun and the star is a lot better. Um, and, you know, I'm happy about that, obviously. Um, I think the sun and the star also had probably the best character work. Like Nico, especially. I have a feeling this is down specifically to Marcus Shiro because Rick's not always been the best when it comes to presenting Nico and like writing Nico as a character. So I feel like this could have been where Mark came in a lot because 
Nico is probably now one of my favorite characters, which if people have seen me before, I, it's not like I hated Nico, but like he was definitely not remotely close to being a favorite character. But the way in which he's presented in The Sun and the Star and the journey that he goes through cements him as being one of the strongest characters in the series for me because of, you know, how much he grows in this one book. Um, and I, I love that. Um, and I really did appreciate seeing that. So I'm I'm happy with how it's presented. I, th- I feel like Will could have been developed a little bit better. But, you know, it is technically still a Nico story. And it is predominantly, I think we could have maybe six or seven chapters out of 51 that are from Will's point of view. So obviously Nico is going to get the majority of the development in this book, which makes sense because it is his story. But yeah, overall, loved the character work. Not the biggest fan of the plot, um, or at least the the main aspects of it. I felt like it was a... Oh, sorry, I've just seen a question that's kind of relevant to this. I was worried this was going to turn into a rehash of Persebeth and House of Hades. So having it be more character-focused is probably for the best. Yes, and I feel like this definitely doesn't remotely feel like a rehash of Persebeth in, uh, Persebeth in House of Hades. Um, it definitely feels like its own thing. There's a lot more conflict that happens. Like, Percy and Annabeth don't really start fighting and arguing as much as um, Nico and Will really do in Tartarus, which I think it just, it there's a lot of differences between it, which I'm really happy to see. Um, and yeah, so I'm I'm happy with how it was presented. The plot could have been a bit stronger, uh, some they could, they could have moved a little bit quicker as well because it they do take a lot of time before they even get to Tartarus. But I'm happy. I'm happy with it. I enjoyed it. There was a lot of heartfelt emotional moments, which I really, really did like. And uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm happy with how it was. So that is the end of one my non-spoiler thoughts. I'm just going to respond to some comments and then we'll go into the spoilers. Um, it's crazy when you realise that when Rick had Nico come out as gay, it was written in a time when gay people were starting to be represented in media a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So it was around the time, yeah. Like, it was becoming more prominent at that time. It was still rare, especially in children's media. In media, It was still incredibly rare if it happened at all. Um, so the fact that Nico in a book for kids came out is in itself very, very rare at the time um and yeah so it's it's quite cool that that happened um but i am going to move into the spoiler section for the sun and the star so for anyone here who does not want to hear spoilers for the sun and the star i would recommend leaving right now because i am going to get heavy into spoiler discussion so oh before i do though another question how do you find the audiobook performance? Rick's audiobooks aren't usually the best. I really, really, really liked the audiobook narrator here. I'm kind of glad that he... Uh, actually, hold on. I won't say he. I'll say they because I don't actually know their pronouns and I've not been able to look up their name. So I really do like that they did not put on that many voices for the characters. Because I feel like that's kind of the problem that happened with Rick's usual audiobooks is that they try to put on a lot of voices and the voice choices were never great so like the voice actor kind of 
they did some inflection changes for certain characters, but they all kind of stayed somewhat similar-ish. Um, which, like, I'm, I usually quite like those audiobook performances where, like, there's not too much dramatism to them. It's just kind of general. Um, so I really enjoyed the audiobook performance, but I've not heard the other ones, so I can't really fully compare to the other books. But a friend of mine who listens exclusively to audiobooks and listens to the other books on audio definitely preferred this one as well. So that should hopefully be a sign that it's good. And yes, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, going full spoilers now. If you don't want to hear any spoilers to do with the sun and the star, leave now. I know that's going to get me to lose viewers, but seriously, if you don't want to hear any spoilers, go now. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers. Okay, so getting right on into the spoilers. <laughs> um, so the whole story they're talking about how nico has been hearing a voice calling out to him from tartarus that he knows is bob but he's been also having these vivid nightmares like all the people he's lost of every terrible thing that's happened in his life and that's been haunting him and he thinks those nightmares have come from bob spoiler alert didn't <laughs> um and basically he's kind of been putting off going on this quest because he knows it means he has to go back to Tartarus. And then Rachel turns up and it's kind of like, Hey, yeah, no, I've been getting the prophecy from before. This is like the 12th time now. Um, you kind of need to go because this is getting really bad. And yeah, him and Will decide to go to Tartarus and they decide to go quite early on in the book. The problem I have with this, this is they decide to go to Tartarus in what maybe like chapter six they get to Tartarus in chapter 32 just to put that in perspective that's nearly 20 chapters later that they decide to go to that they actually get to Tartarus after deciding yeah we're going to go to Tartarus together and for those other 20 chapters well not for all of them but for the majority of the time, really, they are in the underworld. And this is, okay, so the, this was the bit that I, I liked, but it's also kind of sad and upsetting. So Nico is taking them to the underworld, him and Will, because underworld is obviously where the entrance to Tartarus is. And this is where we see the initial conflicts between their relationship, because the entire time that they are leading up to going to the underworld and then being in the underworld, Will is being kind of a dick, not intentionally, but he has only unkind comments about the underworld and things that exist in the underworld. What's connected to the underworld? Nico. So hearing the boy that he loves say things like, oh, I could never be in the underworld. Oh, the in underworld is such an unhappy place to be. How can people survive and be happy in the underworld? I can never see myself being happy in the underworld consistently it was really interesting to see and it was even more interesting to me the fact that Nico never says anything because he is deeply afraid that if he talks about how Will's comments about the underworld the thing that is deeply ingrained in who he is because he's worried that saying something will hurt 
will and then also in turn end their relationship because of like a conflict that spoke to my soul people oh my god i have always been the person that i've been afraid of confrontation in a relationship i've been like having moments where partners have been saying horrifically unkind things about me well not even about me but like about things that I cared about, not seemingly realizing that they were being unkind or they've done something that I wasn't happy with. And I, but I just couldn't say anything because I was afraid of what would happen if I did. Because, did? That was such a weird, weird way of saying did. Because of past experiences and just like, you know, all this past trauma of just like, if I say what I'm really thinking, people will hate me and leave, which is very much Nico. Nico thinks everyone leaves because that's all that's happened in his life. And he's in a sense gone. The common denominator is me, the child of the underworld. I can never have happiness. And so the problem is me. So I can never make myself an actual problem. So whenever something is upsetting me, I just don't say anything. Like this boy has been having nightmares for months and been talking to Mr. D about them. But even to someone who, like, literally does not give a shit about anyone or anything, except his wife and his wine, <laughs> he still doesn't tell the whole story, too, because he's afraid of what it'll mean. And I just, I, this book has really made me identify a lot with Nico as a character. But I just generally really liked the fact that they were, you know, delving into the fact that couples have conflicts and also the fact that you know the sunshine boy grumpy boy trope you know they are super opposite of course they're gonna have conflicts about these things like will may not like a grumpy boy but he doesn't seem to like anything related to the grumpy boy unless it is said grumpy boy he seems to dislike everything to do with darkness and the underworld and death even though that's directly tied to his boyfriend and you know Nico in turn with his own conflict with Will is that he just doesn't open up to Will and so they both have their own things that they really need to overcome to actually strengthen their relationship and it leads to a lot of conflict between them like when they eventually not even before they get to Tartarus this is all happening in the underworld the underworld is kind of seemingly bringing out the worst in Will which I thought was a really interesting thing of like being away from the sun makes Will an arsehole. <laughs> well, not, not like fully an arsehole, but kind of an arsehole. Um, literally just kind of like causes problems because he becomes much crueler to Nico, both unintentionally and intentionally. And he's very like, he has like a, a lot of backhanded compliments. Like when they meet the troglodytes again, he's really, in a sense, like backhanded complimenting towards them. Like, he's not very kind. And, like, Nico's kind of like, oh, the underworld is bringing this out in him. What I do wish had happened with that, though, is, yeah, it's bringing out the worst in him. But it's something he thinks. Because if something's bringing out the worst in you, it means you do actually think that. Even if it's on a subconscious level, you are thinking that. And you do have these thoughts. You don't, you just don't usually say them. And I feel that element was not properly addressed. They have moments when they do eventually get into Tartarus and they have more conflicts with each other and, you know, have like a yelling match. And they made this comment, like, it's our first ever fight. I'm like, 
they talk about at the start of this book that they've been together for a year and this is their first ever fight that is not remotely healthy healthy it's that's bad um and i'm like okay that's cool Ad- address the problems please and i feel like that's the issue that i love that this book was very character focused but what i don't like is that i feel this issue of the conflicts within their relationships was not properly resolved and obviously these issues are never going to be fully resolved like i've come to recognize my own issues with how i think of relationships because and how i am in relationships because i you know i have a lot of issues i'm and you know therapy can only do so much and i have to kind of keep working to be better so it's never going to be fully resolved but I feel like they didn't address it properly enough, which could be something if there is ever a sequel, although with how it ended, I don't know if there's a way for a sequel to kind of work. But they had a lot of conflict. Like, they had a lot of... Res- like, Will called Nico a murderer at one point. And they kind of, like, they address it briefly of because they're in, like, this river of misery, which brings out all the things that they're guilty about. And, like... Nico's done a lot of terrible things and he feels guilty about, you know, the letting Octavian die and stuff. But Will's guilt is that he's he feels terrible about letting Nico do it. To the point, like, it's not his actual own guilt about things that he's done, but I thought it was a bit random. So I would have liked if these things had been addressed a little bit more of, like, you know, they've they said some terrible things to each other, especially Will to Nico. And while elements of it are addressed, I feel like there was more things that needed to be discussed between them. Because they have a lot of these character moments where they talk about these deep things. The issue then follows is that they never really stay with those conversations as much. A real issue that I had was that a lot of these deep emotive moments are undercut almost consistently by comedy. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes you need those sad moments to be undercut with comedy because sometimes you just, you know, that's what people are like. If something's really sad for me, sometimes I will just make jokes out of it because I can't cope with the amount of emotion. But it happened nearly every time. And there are, like, it happened the majority of time when Will and Nico were having a conflict. A comedic moment would follow soon after. And again, while not necessarily a problem, the fact that it was such a consistent thing that happened that they kind of never really fully get the chance to really address the problems in their relationship. Uh, Still spoilers. (laughs) Um, it's It's frustrating to me. And that's kind of like where, like, again, the character moments, absolutely amazing. The issue being that they weren't always the most consistent. Nico's character is probably the only one that was fully consistent. Um, <laughs> the only thing, and well, he's consistent enough, but he kind of fluctuates every so often. Um, yeah, I just, I wish there was a little bit more discussion with that. But going to, onto the plot situation. So as I mentioned, we don't get to Tartarus until like chapter 31 or 32. And we're in Tartarus up until chapter 48 out of 51 chapters. 
and and while I don't have I, like I'm happy with the length of time that we're in Tartarus, that's perfectly fine. The storyline for Bob and saving Bob is really quite short. Like there's a lot of things that kind of get in the way in between. And a lot of things that kind of like in the end turned out to have not been necessary. So there's a moment I have forgot I'm gonna forget his name title. I said Damask. Damascus. I think it's Damascus. The giant the good giant. Um there's a moment where they're going to look for him. And I don't ever fully remember the reason why they were going to look for him. And admittedly, it's just because my brain is like not fully like I'll probably have to read it again to remember because I've again I've already read it once and I'm literally coming off this half an hour, well, technically an hour now, after finishing reading. And so yeah, it was just they go to his place and he's not there. It kind of the only reason why they ended up being there is just because they needed to sleep. And they slept easily. And then they go on to find Bob. And again, while I don't have an issue with this, because you know it's an emotional moment because we remember him from House of Hades. But that took ages to happen as well. Like there was just it took ages to get to Damascus. It took ages to get to Bob. And while there was lots of great character moments, there was one moment, the, this is the one that I'm kind of like, but why? It's funny somewhat, but there's a whole moment with basically like these mammoths kind of, these bro mammoths. <laughs> and it's like an entire, sorry, my voice went really weird then. An entire section, well, like two chapters probably, dedicated to them of like, it looks like they're trying to kill Will and Nico, and then it turns out they actually want to be killed because then they use their bones, they like collect bones and they're connected to one of the Roman emperors. I don't remember. The one who said he was never defeated. I don't know. But it was just really random. And I was remember listening to it and being like, what was the reason for this? <laughs> this didn't need to happen. Um, I know I was I'm being that person of like I'm critiquing a lot. I did really enjoy it. There's just lots of things I'm just kind of like, I feel like it, that this was the moment where I started to get, okay, it's dragging a little bit now. Because I wanted to get to the Bob situation. Because the Bob stuff is amazing. And also the fact that it is, the reason why we have the title, The Sun and the Star, is because Bob calls Will and Nico his sun and star. I love that so much. It's so cute. I adore it. We don't fully ever get the reason why, but I don't care. I still love it. But what then threw me was the villain. I was surprised that Nyx was like the big bad. I'm not going to lie. Because I don't understand why. <laughs> um, her reasoning is like basically no one can change. I don't know why I did it with quotes. But no one can change and no one should be allowed to change. So she doesn't want Bob to be Bob. She wants Bob to be Ipetus because, you know, beings don't change. Nico can't change. He'll always be in darkness. So that's why she's been going after Nico. And then they're just kind of like, oh, the reason why she was like this is because, you know, she's the daughter of chaos and darkness. That's all she'll ever know because she can't, she can't change because that's all she is. So that's why she doesn't like change. It was just like, it was really kind of random. I was kind of confused to a degree. But, you know, just it. 
considering that I wasn't the biggest fan of the narrative itself, I think the fact that the character moments were so much stronger kind of made up for like the slight lack of a strong plot. Um, because the character it was literally this is the it was the reason I kept going. I don't think I would have I definitely would have not stopped reading it because I really really enjoyed it, but I definitely think I would have struggled a little bit more with being engaged with the story if the character moments hadn't been as strong as they were because the Nico and Will stuff was the thing that really drew me into the story. When we then got to the whole Nix and Bob thing, I started to lose a bit of interest. Then when we had the dragging bit of like those bro mammoths, I started to get a bit, a little bit bored. Um, and then the best moments, the best moments really kind of happened near the start with Nico's trauma and the, those sort of elements. And then at the end again with Nico addressing his trauma in like the best way. So there's a moment where basically Nyx has created monsters out of Nico's own personal demons of grief, envy, loneliness, all these sorts of these different monstrous figures representing his different, you know, struggles. And he quite literally conquers them, being like, no. I am not going to be who you say I am. I am not going to be someone who is only darkness. I can find, in a sense, the light and the dark. I can be happy. I may have had all these terrible things happen to me, but I can and will be happy. I will not allow you... Like, I can change. I can find happiness. I I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And so he conquers his own demons, basically. And while they'll always be with him and he'll always, you know, know they're there, he can learn to live with them because that's the way to start to heal. And I adore that so much because, yes, literal figurative <laughs> therapy, basically. <laughs> He's put his actual demons in literal forms. I love it. Because um, there's a moment throughout the whole book where he's saying, I think there's something following us, there's these things in the shadows. And it was his literal demons that were following him. I love that. It was, so, oh, the symbolism, but the, also the literalness of it, amazing. Um, and then following that up, after they managed to get out of Tartarus, his dad gives him this gift of basically allowing him this moment to see his mum and sister again if only briefly, because obviously they, they're both in their own lives now with Bianca and Elysium. And I don't think we, Maria says where she was. Um, but it was just such a beautiful moment for him to basically have all the things that he remembers from his past basically be healed and be dealt with. It was just It was just a fantastic moment. And I just really appreciated seeing that there. And... Yeah, while there are moments in this that frustrate me, like, you know, the lack of discussion to do with Will and Nico's, you know, relationship issues and the plot not being the strongest, it was these moments with Nico having the chance to address his trauma and knowing he has trauma and just dealing with these things that I think was some of the best parts about it. And, yeah, uh, it may not be my favourite book, but... It's definitely a solid four-star book to me. It may be not a full five, but it's definitely a four-star. Um, and I'm excited to see what 
contribution will be coming next. The only oh god, there was another thing I forgot to mention. Um, Jason and Nico were not best friends. <laughs> this book, for some reason, seemed to think that like Nico and Jason were like best buddies because Nico is so torn up about Jason's death and acts like you know it's such a terrible thing and like you know he lost a friend. I'm like, but when were you guys ever friends? Jason did like one nice thing for you by not being homophobic basically when were you ever friends after this like come on now so that that definitely annoyed me because that was not a thing don't, don't, don't lie <laughs> they were never friends he did one nice thing and maybe one nice thing after that and that was it that was literally it but anyway <laughs> even the leo thing they made it out like he was really close with leo i'm like no you weren't <laughs> leo thought you were a creep stop that so stop trying to make the seven to not have been they were kind of all assholes to nico beyond hazel hazel was literally the only one and he did not talk about hazel enough in this he talked more about jason grace than he did about hazel and that's upset me um <laughs> but other than that i did enjoy this book um there are definitely areas where i felt it could have been stronger but you know that's completely subjective there are probably going to be people who absolutely adore this there are going to be people who absolutely hate this um and where I am is, I really do like it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I just really like it. Um, and yeah, that's kind of all I have to say. I don't have anything further to say about the sun and the stars. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn to everyone in, who is still watching. Um, if they have any questions about the book, that can be answered the spoiler-related things. So, uh, uh, spoiler questions anyone um <laughs> um because i'm intrigued for any questions that you all may have to do with it that i will be happy to answer and if there are no questions i will then end this live stream because i have nothing else to say beyond what i did i'm gonna be reviewing it on goodreads soon not probably for a proper review but um just gonna star it <laughs> um and yeah i'm just i am whelmed <laughs> i think it's the way to describe it i am whelmed i was overwhelmed in certain moments i did cry on the live stream briefly just very very briefly it was a quick little cry um to do with the nico scene um <laughs> but yeah it's a good story overall um i don't think i've got any questions coming oh just how long is the page count i think it was like 480 or something like that um so shorter than most of the heroes of olympus books um it's the same length as the burning maze if that helps um i don't know if you've got your sound on so i don't know if you can hear me yes page length is 480 for the us books uh okay you can't hear me <laughs> um and yeah so it's it's long but not too long but yes really like the book could have been stronger in some areas, but I still enjoyed it, even if there were some things that did frustrate me a little bit. <laughs> but everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this live stream. I will be ending it now, and you'll be able to watch this back at some point because um, it'll be popping up tomorrow, so you can see this. Um, and yeah, it's a spoiler and non-spoiler version, so enjoy both, and I'll put timestamps up when this is finalised. Um, if you guys want to support me, um, with my content, be sure to hit subscribe, share with your friends, check out my Patreon, check out my books. 
Um, and yeah, thank you all so much for tuning in. And I will see you all next time. To plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and basically where we listen to your podcasts. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your thoughts on the episode, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com, or if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for things like early access to episodes and other exclusive perks. Want more Royal Universe content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy dose of Fran. And if you want to support my writing career, drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, thank you all for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I'll see, shall I speak to you all next time. Bye.